Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Thirty years of her is over, and after sixteen years in the wilderness, leads are marching on together. It's a massive week, a famous week in football in England as Liverpool and Leeds toast their success. We've got so much to talk about in today's Gag and Pod. David Wiener with you for the penultimate podcast of the season, joined by who else but Michael Bridges and Thomas Sorensen. Let's get stuck right into it. Oh, Bridgie, what a morning. That's all I'll say. What a morning. Have you caught your breath? I have, Dave, because you've actually given us a couple of more hours. We normally go at 9am. I know the viewers don't know what, or the listeners don't know what time it is, but to get them two extra hours just to be able to absorb and digest everything that has gone on this morning in the championship, to watch the goal fest at Anfield, uh, and just to see Liverpool lift the title. And some of the interviews and the, the scenes were magnificent. So I've just been dredging through the Optus Sport Twitter page and the Instagram page and been catching up with everything, mate, because it was just a sensational morning for everybody involved in football. And the relegation battle for next week has just magnified. The Champions League spots are still up for grabs. So even though the you know we know who's going to be in the Premier League, we know who's won it, there's still a lot to play for going forward to next week, mate. So I've, I'm just blown away by what's happened. Thomas, it's uh, not the greatest time in Melbourne at the moment, so we're going to let you escape and we go into football. We go into the fantasy land of football and uh, Liverpool fans were, were in fantasy land this morning. Yeah, and what a way to finish the season. You know, a, a goal fest, some incredible uh, individual skill. You know, Trent Arnold obviously following uh, up on his, his magnificent season. And I think it just, um, you know, it just, summed everything up for, for Liverpool and, and, and again like like Bridget said, you know, finally be being able to lift that trophy and just seeing the, the excitement. Uh, I think the only sad thing is that it's not in a fill fill stadium where you could proper celebrate with, with the, the, the faithful Liverpool fans who've been, you know, listening to uh, City and Manchester United for years and years. And now finally they get their you know, chance to lift the trophy, and uh, you know, you know, hopefully there'll be some way that uh, you know that they can get close to the fans at some point and and really share that with them. Yeah, well, Klopp's told everyone to drink what they need to and get ready for a party once this bullshit virus is over. In the great <laughs> German's words, so let's hope that's sooner rather than later. Um, Liverpool five, Chelsea three, Bridgie. It was, it was a thrilling, thrilling game as the entree to the moment Liverpool have waited 30 years for. Yeah. And do you know what I loved? I was listening to Klopp afterwards. His words, he was saying, he was asked a question, how do you get your players up for this kind of football? And he said, well, we'd already won the, the title. The lads are all excited about afterwards. There, And I just said to them beforehand, this is going to be a tough game. 
do you want to lift the trophy being losers on the day or do you want to lift this trophy being winners? You go out there and you make that decision because if you just want to hang around on the field, you don't want to get involved and you're thinking about the party mood, go and do that. I'm not going to tell you off, but I'll tell you what, that's not what I will be. You know, that's not what I want as, as my culture here. And they just went out and delivered and it was end-to-end stuff. And I think I called it midweek when I was having a chat with Richard Bayliss. The games in the past have been close. I just felt that this was going to be dynamite because Chelsea, your team, Dave, have been so inconsistent defensively. And yet at the other end of the field, they've surprised and done magnificent things. And it was just a game that I just felt was fitting to the end of a season that Liverpool won. They did it in the manner that they did, and it was an exciting game for everybody to watch. And I think Chelsea got a lot out of it as well, as much as they would have wanted more of a point. But I think they'll be happy with their performance and the way they played because... You know, going forward, they were magnificent. The the things they've got to sort out, they've set plays. I just felt at Chelsea today, they conceded one from a free kick, they conceded one from a corner where they had men to, you know, that should have handled it, and they copped one defensively from their own free kick in the opposition half. And there's one man that I really felt let them down in that last moment, that was Hudson Adoy. He didn't track back enough and help out his team in the way that he could have done. I think that sums up his season, the way he's sulking. Um, and not trying to fight for his, his place. So Frank and them can need to sort that out for next week's set play-wise. But all in all, mate, just a, a magnificent morning for Liverpool Football Club. No, it was. We'll, we'll stick with Liverpool for a, for a second here and then we'll come back to Chelsea because uh, there is a lot to talk about in terms of Chelsea and United and Leicester and Wolves heading into the final day. But I feel like this is a nice time to wrap up. What's almost been two seasons of waxing lyrical over Liverpool. And in a way, Thomas, today, not only was the entertainment of the game fitting to sum them up, but there were just pockets in there, weren't there? Everything that's good about them. And best summed up by that last goal. 14 seconds, end-to-end, punishing Chelsea. Um, What did you take out of today, the presentation, um, and the season, just having watched this, this quite formidable team? You know, I think it's just a sum of a lot of parts. You know, it's it's just everything coming together uh, finally. Uh, you know, Klopp has done a magnificent job since he, he took over. Obviously, the Champions League last season, but but this, I think, for for the club, this is the this is what they ultimately wanted. They they wanted to be top dogs in in England, and and uh, I think the game today showed um, you know why Liverpool are the top dogs. You know, they they. Might not have been as sound defensively as they've been all season, and that might be the occasion. Like Bridget said, it is tends to be a little bit looser late in the season. We saw Van Dyke and and Allison uh, made, made a few mistakes against Arsenal last week. And, uh, <laughs> potentially, they they, they uh, it was good that there weren't any drug testing or alcohol testing uh, during the game. But you know, again, um, you know, they they they're just so exciting, so explosive. You know the, the counter-attacking ability, the the pressure, um, and again they they score from free kicks, from corners. You know they're just a complete team. Um, and again, um, every every part just complements um, you know the the system. And 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 Klopp has again done a fantastic job and, and well deserved. And and this morning was a just a um, yeah a bit of fireworks to finish it off. Nabi Keita's goal was cool though, wasn't it, Bridgie? That's a bit of Nabi Keita's goal. That's almost a bit of a tonic for, you know, a player that didn't um, have as big an involvement this year as they might have thought. And everyone's saying, well, where will they improve? Where will they find those extra little margins? 
but they're even there within the squad already. I think the juggling act and the way that Klopp can keep every single player in that environment ready and on their toes to perform when they are needed is the recipe for success. Uh, the, the consistency that they have shown throughout, the players that have come in when they've been asked to come in have, have fitted in. And I think that moment this morning when we witnessed William had the ball, he was shoved off it, the determination mm. was there, the desire was there from Ke- uh, Keita to get the ball and then smash it into the top top corner of Chelsea's goal. I just felt he had more hunger, more desire. I know it's a, it's a lot easier when you've won the title and you you know, you know you're going to get it. The energy levels are high. Chelsea still had something to play for and I just thought that that was the difference in the mindset of the players this morning. And I just think Jurgen Klopp and his staff how they managed to keep the drive and the desire for that dressing room for all the players is, is just something that you've, you've just got to admire and salute and say if you could bottle it up and sell it, you'd be a billionaire. Exactly right. Um, now, Frank Lampard wasn't happy, Thomas. He wasn't happy at one stage because of uh, Sadio Mane, um, the way he responded when Mateo Kovacic found him on the edge of the area. Uh, Chelsea protested that it was a dive. Frank Lampard had a real fire in his belly uh, talking to Jurgen Klopp and the Liverpool staff afterwards. But in the end, actually, Chelsea did respond. That was Chelsea's season in a nutshell as well, that game, wasn't it? Such great attack. But the defence is a disaster. Yeah, again, uh, you know, just, you know, if we take the counter-attacking goal, you know, we, we, they, they cut one against West Ham uh, two or three weeks ago in absolutely similar fashion. Not, not getting the, the numbers right, Having people dive in at the halfway line, Jorginho, you know, took a big gamble and, and sold everyone out. Um, you know, so something is, is not right. The leadership at the back, the, you know, and, and go back to, to, to Kepa as well. I, you know, I was looking at the game and, and he wasn't making a difference. There was a few of the goals, a free kick. You know, I know it's, it's a good free kick and Trent Arnold, uh, you know, you can potentially question the wall as well. And, but but he doesn't move. There's a few other goals where, you know, you, you want him to do more. You want to you want him to make at least one game-winning or, or yeah. difference-making save, and he's, he isn't making it. Uh, and and again, organization is he the leader at the back? Um, and I think centre half wise, uh, you know, they they need that. But but going forward, that was the positive. And and Pulisic, uh, you yeah. know, he was amazing again. You know, setting up the assisted dribbling. Uh, <laughs> through three or four Liverpool players and, and then setting the goal up and then scoring one himself as well. You know, so there, there, there's a lot of positives there. Uh, but, but Lampard has a job like Klopp has done. He has a job of bringing it all together and, and, and getting the complete package. Because at the moment, it's, as you said, it's, it, it, it's, it's got two, two, two faces to, to, to Chelsea. Dave, you're a Chelsea fan. Tell me the players that are coming in next season and their positions, please. Listen, I'm watching Christian Pulisic and I'm frothing over a front three that includes him, Timo Werner and Hakim Ziyech. But Chelsea need to be in the Champions League first. Next week is huge. Dave, you have just named three attacking players. We've just talked about Chelsea going forward, how amazing they are. Where the hell is the defenders that they are going to sign to stop the league? Because if there's players that they're going to sign, mate, I'm going to enjoy watching Chelsea next season because the games are probably going to be 5-4, 6-7. They're going to score loads, they're going to concede loads. So bring it on for the neutral. But as a fan, mate, I'm looking for them defenders and I'm sure because it needs a lot of sorting out. Well, 
One goal against Wolves, and it's the equal worst defensive campaign Chelsea have ever had in the Premier League. Two goals against Wolves, and it is the worst ever. And I don't mean to... I know we've asked you about Kepa before, Thomas, but I just want to... If you were in goal today in that game, where would you have stood for the Trent Alexander-Arnold free kick? Was Kepa positioned in the right place? And second part of the question, just from a goalkeeping point of view, his footwork. Like, do you think that that goal and the fourth goal... A keeper that is the most expensive in the world, should he be stopping them? Uh, he should definitely. Uh, you know what, what? 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 I. What I don't like to see is is the. You know sometimes the lack of effort. You know I see too many goals where he's just. You know where he's just stood there. Uh, he doesn't even make an effort, and and that comes down to, to to different things. Obviously anticipation, like you said, footwork, balance. Um, so, so there's a deeper dive into the technical goalkeeping uh, to, to actually pinpoint that exactly. And, and I think as well that you can question the wall with a free kick. Um, I, I think, you know, it was too easy for Arnold to, 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 to curl it. Uh, I think Pulisic was on the end of the wall uh, and maybe he could have done a better job. But overall, uh, this, this, when you're looking at a keeper that cost was a 70 million pounds, mm-hmm. You've got to expect more. And, and this is his second season. He had a, a, actually an okay first season. And then you're looking for him to take that next step. And, and, and sadly, he's taken a, you know, a step in the wrong direction. His confidence looks to, to have taken a big, uh, big hit. And yeah, Lampard has a huge decision to make. Do you back him for next year? Or, you know, I saw there was rumors that Ariola from, from, uh, from Real Madrid had bought a house or something in, in the, in, in London, so I don't know if that's a sign for something to come, but but yeah, um, you know they need to build him up and 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 at least get the goalkeeping coach there to pinpoint and, and work on those things because it's it's um, it's not it's not good. Tommy, I was going to say that as well because Kepa's obviously set the wall up itself, but it comes to the coaching as well and the staff and the goalkeeping coach along with that. Surely you'd have Tammy Abraham or Giroud on that far end of the wall where you're trying to protect for the height. And like you say, you've got somebody that it's nice and easy to whip the ball over. So I agree with Tommy. There's some, something gone wrong during that game, whether it's a miscommunication between the, uh, the staff, the coaching staff getting it wrong, or whether Kepa's just the lads have got it wrong themselves on the field there because I, I just felt it was too easy for, for Trent the way he's put it. And it's a beautiful free kick, no doubt about it. But when you, when you know you've got quality and him and Robertson on the ball, You've got to cover that that corner, and Tommy, you know, as a goalkeeper, has just explained that fantastically. So they, they've got it, they've got it all wrong. Another set player, which was a shambles. Yeah, but and ultimately as well, it's it's your responsibility. You know, you can say, oh, the, the you know the coaching staff or whatever, but I was also always in charge of who I had in the wall, what right. setup I wanted. You know, you can't. You know, the, a coach is never going to come and, and say, this is how we're doing it. You know, they will always want you to agree because ultimately you're in goal. You, 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 you know, you, you're there to stop it. Yeah. And, and you know, it was a good free kick, but looking at it, it wasn't top corner. Absolutely, just you know, no chance. It, it was still a yard off the post. So I just still question why he never. And it wasn't, you know, it was four or five yards outside the box. It was not right on the box. Yeah. So he had plenty of time to to react. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Interesting to see what happens there. It's it's. A really massive five days or so for so Frank Lampard, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and Brendan Rodgers, but more so for the first two, who, if they can fall over the line into the top four, who knows what riches and progress those clubs will make 
over the next well, two, three, four months preparing for the Champions League next season. But we look at United as well ahead of... So they obviously travel to Leicester. Wolves travel to Chelsea. United this morning against West Ham, Bridgie. Uh, they're running out of gas. Solskjaer has been relying on the same 12 or 13 players. Yeah. And they're, they're just falling to the final day. Their streak is still intact. But if they get there, it's going to be in the nick of time. It is. And I think, you know, the, the team that he's been putting out there, he's been relying on them and they've been reliable. I think they've been playing fantastic tonight. It's Solskjaer's thought, I can't change this. They've got the winning mentality. They've got the desire. They've shown the hunger for it. Um, apart from the goalkeeper. I would, again, we'll come back to goalkeeper. Sorry, Tommy. The here again has been a one that I'm questioning um, about his performance all season. That's cost him numerous points. And I think... Man United would have been secure in that Champions League spot if it hadn't been for his mistakes, without a shadow of a doubt. But they're coming up against a team in Leicester who, again, are in free fall, Dave. So I think if they want to play in anybody, it would be a Leicester. You know, two losses in a draw in the last five matches. United have just had them two draws. They haven't had that loss. So going into this one, I still think Oli's going to put that same team out. Yes, they might look underdone, but I think they've got enough firepower up top mm. to get the job done. And yet again, that man this morning, the boy that is coming of age in Greenwood. Mm. What a find. He's been talked about for years at youth team level and he had he had no right to get that goal this morning. It was a lovely bit of build-up play but the way he gets out his feet and the way he strikes the ball with so much power, the keepers cannot get set quick enough because he's got no back lift. It's just a, a beautiful talent that he's got and um, I'm saying United will get that spot because they will, they, they'll go there and get a job over Leicester. I don't think Leicester have got enough um, to do it and I don't know what's happened behind the scenes there but since Covid's returned they just haven't looked as dynamic as what they did beforehand so Man United for me all the way No, free fall is the right word there um, it's, it's an interesting, interesting one with United there's two discussions here one is just what they have to do to get the job done on Monday to get through there but it's been interesting probably the last three or four games Thomas has, I think fatigue has set in Bruno Fernandes has started to sort of just hit a wall which is natural I mean, it's been, he's been, everything's gone through him in that first, or everything in 2020. Um, it's sort of shown that as good as United have been so far, has that reliance on Fernandez shown as well where Solskjaer needs to continue to grow them if they want to go to the next level next season? Yeah, no, it's, you know, when you rely, where, you know, we talked about Liverpool and, and the way you can, you know, you can you have the system, you can swap people in and out. And, and I think United... You know, they yeah, they do rely on on the same set and and um, set of set of players. And, and Fernandez has played a huge part, and he's been a big difference maker. So for him to, to just drop off a, a little bit, that, that makes a huge difference to to them and and other players. Um, you know, McGuire hasn't come back in the same shape that he was before the break. You know, Big Air as well, like Bridgie said, it has not been at, at, at full form. Um, so so they. You know, they, they'll. I think they'll get a. You know, they'll get by Leicester. I think. Um, but yeah, it hasn't sort of. You know, would have worried for them if it would have been a full season and um, and um, you know they hadn't had the break that, that they eventually probably would have run out of steam a bit earlier. But but thankfully, hopefully they'll they'll get over the line and get in the Champions League. So um, it's in Chelsea and Manchester United's hands. The destiny. I mean. Um, <laughs> Chelsea, it's almost like it's a bit of a Stephen Bradbury thing here. I mean, these two teams have had the chance to stitch this up for some time, um, but we're still down to the final day. Um, a draw will be enough for both, um, as, as we are now. But Chelsea aren't going to have a, 
all their own way because Wolves have a lot to play for themselves to make sure that Tottenham don't catch them and that they secure Europa League reckoning. So we'll get your tips, guys. Um, Chelsea Wolves, Leicester United, what happens? And therefore, who makes the top four? Oh, who are you going to first, Dave? Because, oh, let me go. I'm looking down at you, Bridgie. You're <laughs> next. But it, it, the permutations are incredible. I, I still think United will get the job done, whether that's a, a win or, or a draw. That'll give Leicester, if it's a draw, Leicester will obviously get that. Um, the 63 points. You've got the goal difference over Chelsea, have Leicester, so that makes it interesting. And I, I really want to see... I was going to hurt you here, Dave. <laughs> I think I'm hoping United win so they get the three points and Leicester do because I want Chelsea to qualify. But let's say it's a draw. I, I still think Wolves are going to. I want to see Wolves in the, that European spot next season as mm. well. So, oh man, Man United, Chelsea, Champions League, and oh yeah, Wolves will. Wolves are going to get it. I think. I think Wolves will do yes. <laughs> Wolves will win. Wolves will win and Man United will win so it'll stay as is. Yeah, I'd take that. But as a Spurs fan, you can't be hoping for that. Oh, Dave, listen. I, go get it. <laughs> good 3-0 win last week. Up. We had a good 3-0 win last week. I don't want... It, it's going to sound harsh. I want the inevitable to happen because we're, we're, ahead, of, we're ahead of Arsenal. That's job done. Arsenal have got another final to go for. Yeah, good on you. We've finished ahead of them. I really want to see something happen off the field for next season because I, I, I would like to see a change in the in the man that is is leading the team, and that's why I would, I'm hoping that Wolves can get that spot. So, hang on before we go to before we go to you, Thomas. I'm just going to string this conspiracy together. So, Manchester United are going to win. Wolves are going to win. Tottenham are going to come seventh, but Arsenal are going to go win the FA Cup, which will knock Tottenham out of the Europa League, which means Mourinho's gone. Arsenal won't win the FA Cup, mate. There you go. <laughs> but if they do, Mourinho's definitely gone. <laughs> it's, it's incredible what could happen, mate. I just, like I say, I, I, United deserve to get up there for the way they've turned things around. Chelsea, with Frank Lampard and the, what they've done this season with not being able to buy, I really think they deserve that. Leicester have been in free fall and I don't think have capitalised. Wolves deserve it. Um, my Spurs, I want to see Mourinho gone. So there you go. That's my take. It's actually a really decent summary as well because in, in, the, in the scheme of the whole season, which is so long now in duration, um, Leicester haven't done enough in the second half no, of the season to be Champions League worthy. Um, but to spell it out for anyone that is a little bit confused, obviously the first four are in the Champions League. Fifth and sixth are guaranteed the Europa League. Seventh is tentatively in the Europa League playoffs, but the winner of the FA Cup will get that spot at seventh's expense if they are not in Europe already. And that, of course, is Arsenal because Chelsea will be in Europe already. So with that in mind, Thomas, over to you to uh, give us a more... Give us a more uh, a, a more straight down the barrel answer without any conspiracies. <laughs> well, what I'm just excited about is, is what a finish, you know, what a finish to the season, you know, top and bottom. You know, we talked about probably, a, you know, six months ago that Liverpool had showed up the season. It could be the worst ever. And, and now we're sitting here, you know, with, you know, just excitement in our voices, which is fantastic. Mm, mm. Um, it, you know, I, I, I agree with Bridgie. I think Wolves, it's perfectly set up for them going to Chelsea. You know, being on the counter-attack, uh, Adama Traore, 
the form he's in, uh, Jimenez. Uh, you know, I just think they can keep Chelsea at bay and, and they're going to score for sure. Uh, so I think that that's a really, really difficult game for, for, for Chelsea and, and a great chance for Wolves. And, I, and again, you know, even though I'm, I'm a good friend of Casper Michael and, and, and hope that they uh, end up in the Champions League, uh, again, the form is, is not good. Um, you know, they, they, yeah, something has not been right since, since um, you know, since the, 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 the back from, from lockdown. And, and yeah, I think United will draw. I don't think they'll win, but they'll do enough. Um, so, so uh, you know, as it is, as Bridgie says, I think, um, you know, Chelsea and Manu in the Champions League. We spoke about United. We know what they're going to roll out uh, in that game. It's going to be the same lineup, and they'll go for it. If you were Lampard, I mean, Pulisic, he nursed him back today because he said he was underdone. I mean, he is the match winner, Bridgie. He is sensational. Um, do you go with Giroud or do you go with Abraham in this game against Wolves? Because obviously Wolves will look to contain. What's the best approach to try put a bit of pressure on uh, Nuno's side at home? Because Lampard's tried a bit of everything. Bring Bielsa on. You just change your screenshot for anyone listening. I'm just changing your screenshot there, Dave, because I know what's coming next. I'm getting excited. <laughs> um, do you know what it is? Pulisic has been magnificent. I've really enjoyed watching him. Again, another player I think that Frank Lampard has done fantastic with is Giroud. And I've got to credit Giroud's professionalism. He didn't get a sniff in early doors. He's, he's sat and he's waited. He's been asked to play a bit part. And a bit part, I mean, game, sometimes filling in here. But since the break, he's come back. And he's shown his true worth. He, he's given a, a new lease of life, a new dimension to Chelsea. And I think has also taken a lot of the burden off um, Tammy Abraham as well, because, you know, it's a long, been a long season, it's been stop-start. So the balance is, so your question, who would I go with? In the current form, I would think I would uh, start with Giroud. Definitely. I just felt like he's been a bit more of a balancing act. Um, and then you've got the, you can bring on the youth and the enthusiasm. Later on, uh, I just think what Giroud, he, he, he's, he's crediting for these professionalism, mate. And I think Chelsea and the staff will understand that and see him as a big part player for next season, even though they're bringing people in. Is he going to be hanging around? Is he going to move on? Uh, it remains to be seen. But I, I just think he deserves a, a, a lot of credit for what he's done. Yeah, but also from a, from a tactical point of view, like Giroud, set plays, you know, that, that's, that's their weakness. And, and he has, you know... A, a big part to play there. So, so that will be another strengthening uh, in a game where you've you got to keep it tight. Mm, yeah. mm, mm. Interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. Now, before we talk about what comes up, Bridgie, we're going to talk about what comes down because um, what a week for Aston Villa, who on the weekend were 19th. They're now out of the relegation zone with the ball in their court. Watford's decision to sack Nigel Pearson did not have the uh, the trigger that they hoped. I mean, they were playing Manchester City, so I'm not quite sure how they expected too much of a bounce back. But, the equation for the for the relegation is quite simple. If if Watford have the destiny in their own hands, uh, Watford go to Arsenal, um, Bournemouth go to Everton, and uh, we're missing one team here. And Aston Villa go to West Ham, who are now mathematically secure today. So to remind everyone of the positions where they are in, Aston Villa on 17, 34 points, one goal. One goal difference better than Watford, 34 points as well, one goal worse off. Bournemouth, one win behind that. Bridgie, any change to the bottom three? Oh, Dave. I mean, I just can't believe what Aston Villa have done the last three matches, mate, with their two wins and a draw. They're just giving themselves a huge lifeline. Fair play to the players. 
I saw, you know, Mings losing a Bamiyang for that for that goal. The the scenes to to keep mm. it so tight as well, and what they did there uh, in Watford. I just don't think Watford deserve to be in the Premier League now, Dave. The way they've treated their managers and their coaching staff, and the way they've let the players down. I know Pearson had an argument um, with with one of the owners there, and that was the downfall. And I just think, I, I don't care what the results are going to be. I just feel like they need to go down now, the Hornets, because of the way that they, they've been treated. The owners don't deserve to stay in the league. And I think it will stay the same. I can't see Bournemouth getting a result against Everton. If they do, it'll be a draw. I can't see them winning that one. And Villa giving themselves a nice little a nice little chance. And it's against West Ham now, a team who are safe. The shackles are off. The players have gone and celebrated. They might play with the freedom, so it could go one way or the other for Villa. But I just feel the form that they're in and what they've done for that club to stick by their owner. A lot of money spent. They could have panicked. They've got on with the job and I think they deserve to be there over Watford and good riddance. Richard Bayliss got it right at the start of this season. And I was a real, I was really enjoying watching Watford last season. And I thought they would have been in with a, another good chance in the season before. They were a powerful team. They were strong. They had a style of play. I think they've missed Delafeo since. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. He's got injured. I think he's been a key loss. But I just don't think the owners deserve anything from what they have done. I think it's been nothing short of disgust in this season on their behalf. Well, you know, Villa, as well as anyone... Thomas, how will the city, how will the club be, um, how will they react to the possibility of being able to actually build on this season in the Premier League? They might have got away with one um, and then they can consolidate. <laughs> and a big club, big club staying in the competition. Yeah, um, you know, I was, I was speaking to people in, in Birmingham um, a couple of months back. It was doom and gloom and, uh, you know, there was a lot of negativity about, but, but like Bridges said, but the turnaround, and there's always one team. Every season, there seems to be one team that, that out of nowhere comes and, and, and builds some sort of momentum. And, and thankfully, thankfully, as a former Villa player and a fan, uh, you know, it, it's, it's great to see uh, because the club is it's a great club, a lot of tradition, um, you know, has some, some, some good owners that want to spend some money. Uh, and, and again, a chance to build where you look at, you know, Watford, Bournemouth, uh, I think they've run their course. Uh, I think there's a lot of issues there. You know, Bournemouth, are they going to keep the manager? And then Bridges, I think, beautifully lined out what's happening at, at Watford. So, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, it's definitely set up. I, I, I can definitely see them getting a you know, point, if not all three, at, um, at West Ham. And that should be enough. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm delighted so far. And I've got my, everything crossed for, uh, for the last day that uh, they're going to make it because uh, they've deserved the right to, to stay up with the effort they put in over the last three weeks. Yeah, Crystal Palace win, Everton draw, and a really, really good performance against Arsenal. So um, a huge turnaround from, from them there. And um, 
yeah, a chance to keep a big club in the Premier League. So, as it, just to confirm, um, Villa stay up and no change for either of you. Um, no, yeah, Villa, all the way. <laughs> Villa, all the way as well, yep. Good stuff. But just by the way, Thomas, on Villa, do you think, because they obviously spent a lot of money going into the, the season just gone, have they got away with one here in terms of, you know, maybe that wasn't the greatest investment in the players that they got back? Uh, do you think they'll have learned a fair bit from that and, and can actually, you know, really consolidate to stay the course in the Premier League in the coming years? I think it depends on, um, you know, who, who, they, who they keep. Um, and again, what is the plans, you know, going forward? What, what time of team do, do they want to build? Uh, you know, how much money is going to be thrown at it again? Um, you know, so at Grealish, there's always been rumoured, you know, of him going, uh, you know, what does that mean? Uh, and again, uh, you know, uh, Mings as well. Um, so it'll be exciting to see. It's always, uh, it'll be a new start to some extent uh, if they stay up. Um, but yeah, I, I'm hoping they can build, uh, you know, get back to, to former glories because it is a fantastic uh, bossing place when, when things are going in the right direction. The thing is, Dave, when teams come up from the championship, the targets and the goals that they set for next season have got to be, They've got to be realistic and they've got to be achievable. You can't just get promoted and say, you know, we're going to win the league that season. They would have put, they've kind of put all their eggs in one basket for survival. You've got to tick that box. And if they can get through this and they survive in the Premier League, that gamble was worth it. And they're going to get a lot of money from staying in the Premier League. That was the, that was the, that's the main game for the teams that come up. And that's what they have achieved. Like Tommy said, they can sell players. There's Grealish. Will he still be there next season? I don't think he will be. Mm. And Mings, there's a lot more money coming in from them. So again, it comes back to the recruitment, what they've learned and what the players have, have learned from this season as well in having a relegation battle. Tommy's been in one, I've been in one. You, you gain a lot of kudos from what you learn from that situation, whether you survive or whether you go down, how you want to bounce back. And if, you know, it'll, it'll stand them in good stead for next season without a shadow of a doubt. In a word, where do you think Grealish will go? On the spot. Um, yeah. I think he might go to Spurs. I think he might go to Spurs. Do, do Manchester United need him now? They've been looking at him. I don't think they do. I think uh, Fernandez has given Pogba new lease of life. I think Spurs could be the way to go because Indombele hasn't really settled in there at all one bit. He'll be on his way. I just think that Leeds have, uh, sorry, um, Spurs have missed that kind of midfielder that can unlock doors. They've got mm. the power going forward, the pace. They've just, that little thing in that midfield area, the technical ability uh, has been, been lacking. So uh, I'd like to see him go there. Yeah. As I said, what goes down is first, what comes up is next. We're going to give you a breather on Leeds for a second, Bridgie, because um, we know we could fill three podcasts with you just on that. This morning was absolutely extraordinary, as you'd expect on a final day of a championship season. But if you're busy watching the Premier League and you need a recap, West Brom, Fulham and Brentford were all aiming to get into the second automatic position. In the end, a two-all draw for um, West Bromwich Albion against Queen's Park Rangers was enough to clinch their return to the Premier League. Slavin Bilic taking them up. Heartbreak for Brentford, who were looking for their first ever automatic promotion, but they can still get through in the playoffs. But the other heartbreak of the morning was Nottingham Forest, who've missed out on the playoffs entirely. They went down, well, I should say, Thomas, in our, in our virtual backgrounds that we've got on on Zoom, Thomas is there as we speak at his former club, Stoke City. Because they beat Nottingham Forest 4-1 at Forest to ensure that Swansea joined Cardiff, 
Fulham and Brentford in the playoff positions. Amongst all that, Hull, Wigan and Charlton went down. Barnsley's win over, or draw, sorry, with um, Brentford kept them up. Try and make something out of that for us, if you will, Thomas. And I should sort of correct myself. Barnsley did beat Brentford. Try and make something of that if you can for us, Thomas. And start at Stoke. What a ridiculous, ridiculous result. Yeah, no, uh, Michael Neal has done a fantastic job since he, he took over there. Uh, you know, again, similar, you know, just uh, people had lost hope, really. A lot of things have gone on in, in the background you know, with, with players that didn't want to be there and bad culture. And I think he's, he's, he deserves a lot of credit for turning that around and getting two wins against, first of all, Brentford last week, uh, 1-0, where they needed it. And then again, going to, to, to Nottingham Forest, uh, you know, the, it's a difficult place to go and, and getting, uh, you know, a comfortable 4-1 win there. Uh, it, it sets them up for, for next season. Um, but by looking at the top, that's where all the excitement obviously was. And, you know, you know, two teams going in the opposite direction. You've got, you know, obviously um, West Brom who stumbled across the line and then Brentford who, who had everything going for them and, and absolutely dropped the ball at the end. You know, it, it's, they must be so devastated. And I really fear for them uh, in the playoffs because it's all about momentum. You know, you, you see it a lot of times. You're so close and you feel it's unjust and uh, if we'd done this and, uh, yeah, and then suddenly you go in and you've got to start all over again. It's all from scratch in the playoffs and, and, and other teams will have a lot more momentum and going for them. Uh, and people expecting them to, to go through. Sadly, I think they missed their chance and, and they, they must be got it. I'm got it because, they, you know, they, I would love to have seen a Danish manager in the Premier League. Well, if you think second place West Bromwich Albion, Tommy, was sitting there, if anybody was going to throw it away and they've gone three draws and a loss, Brentford would have been going, hang on a minute, we've got two games to go. We're playing Barnsley, who have got no hope of survival, and they were on a run of 10 games that they were potentially going to win, and they've gone and lost the last two games and they've missed out by the two points. It's, it, I just find it fascinating, and I totally agree with you. The momentum and the... Mm-hmm. The hard work that's gone in that promotion push now, they'll be feeling sorry for themselves. I'd love to see them bounce back and, and have a crack, but they've only got themselves to blame losing them last two games. And Leeds United, on the other hand, this has always been Leeds in the past. Mm. Every Leeds fan you speak to, oh, it was the pressure. We couldn't get over the line. And without playing in front of their fans in the 80th minute of games, you know, the crowd can start of Turner Ellen Road. They're fantastic. Don't get us wrong, the fans are brilliant, but that animosity, the, the years of anticipation and waiting, and I felt that the players were holding that on their shoulders last season and a few seasons beforehand. Playing behind closed doors, I think, has given Leeds the momentum that they need to get over the line because they kept playing, they blanked out what was going on in their empty stadiums, they kept playing the Bielsa way, the possession game, and they got over the line with five wins towards the end of the season. That wouldn't have happened, I believe, if they had played in front of the home fans because they, they would have felt that... It's not animosity. What's the word I'm looking for? It's kind of the... Tension. Tension. Yeah. And, you know... They, anxiety. They, anxiety. That's what it is. Thank you, Dave. And I just think that, you know, Brentford will, will completely capitulate in the, in the playoffs. And I agree with Tommy. That's right, Bridget. 55 weeks into the Gagnapod season, I'm now finishing your sentences. That's, Thank you. that's the sign of I'm good excited, But I'm excited. <laughs> We're in the promised <laughs> land again. Been a big week for you, though. What's, since we last spoke, uh, talk us through your emotions. 
oh, just fantastic. The amount of people that have been in touch to say congratulations. And I'm saying, well, I'm not even part of the club. I was part of the club. And they were like, no, you're an ambassador for the club. It should be a massive relief. Now, I was due to be over there in England watching the remainder games before COVID affected the season. I'd actually planned a four-week trip to go and watch Leeds' last few matches um, and the, the game against Charlton. So that, that was a bit upsetting not to be able to be over there and, and play a part in the team. The Obviously, that Legends game against Bayern Munich mm. fell through as well. But just the amount of messages, speaking to Liam Cooper, um, the captain, asking him how he's feeling, congratulating him. I had He was, you know in the youth team when I was at Hull City. So I mentored him when he was coming through the ranks, kept in touch with him, and to see what Bielsa has done to a man's career that I felt he, he couldn't play football with it at his feet if you got asked him to play out of the back. He was a good, solid defender. And Bielsa's given him a whole new lease of life and a niche to his career and his football and ability that he's very, very grateful for. So he's going to be standing in good stead. And it's just been brilliant, Dave, all the messages... The, the funny thing, I was actually on the um, phone to Paul Bell, uh, one of the chief execs over there that's played a major part in, in this. And I was saying the footage was brilliant celebrating with the fans because the fans couldn't come to the stadium. They said stay away, but obviously they wanted to celebrate. All the players and the staff came to the back window of Elland Road mm-hmm. to salute the fans. And there were video and all the fans out the back celebrating with fireworks. What the staff forgot was that the actual fans that they were seeing and encouraging his party were standing on the roofs of their cars. So the staff cars have been obliterated. <laughs> and the actual Leeds fans have set up a GoFundMe page to pay for the damage that they did to the staff's cars. Now, I'm not talking the players. They've got their own lockup. It was actually like the staff, some of the girls that are PAs, the ticket office girls. So, I mean, it was great scenes, but it's actually backfired um, on, the, on the, some of the staff because of the damage that was done to their cars. Oh dear. That's probably one of the uh, G-rated stories that we can tell from the last yeah. week as well in the celebrations as well. Uh, epic scenes, epic scenes there. So, Leeds, the comfort of going up. They get to plan for a return of the Premier League. West Bromwich, Albion 2. Thomas, who joins them? Uh, you know, the, the playoffs are always a bit, of, a bit of a gamble. You know, again, I, I'm going back. I, I, I'm hoping that, um, you know, that Brentford could do it. I don't think they will. Um, but but looking past that, I think Swansea has got something going for them. Um, so um, you know, if not Brentford, then uh, Swansea. Talk us through a little bit what on earth happened to Nottingham Forest, and and what's it like? I don't know. Have you been in a position where um, you've been in that free fall and you have to pick yourself back up from there again? Because they had it. They they had, they were in a playoff position, uh, and they they threw it away to the extent that. The defeat, all they needed today was a point against Stoke and they ended up having their worst loss against Stoke in 66 years. Yeah, um, you know, it's, sometimes it's, it's hard to explain. Uh, momentum, um, and again, Nottingham Forest have had things going on there for, for years with, with ownership and managers and players. And, um, you know, sometimes history plays, like Bridgie knows with, with Leeds, um, you know, sometimes history... And again, not having the fans there, it, it's good and bad. You know, when, when things are not going well, you, you'd rather, you know, at times not have the fans there because you can sense, you know, the nervousness and, the, the, you know, the displeasure from them. Um, but when you need them in a playoff run or in a, you know, now, you know, you know this game against Stoke, you know, you, it, it, it definitely takes something out of it when you, when you actually absolutely need it. And um, I think a lot of teams, not just Nottingham Forest, but a lot of teams have, 
have struggled without their fans and, and have lost momentum, especially in the, obviously the home games. Mm. I think I said last week I fancied Forest to be one of the teams that would go up in the playoffs. They've missed out, Dave. So I'm going to support Fulham. I'm going to go for Fulham. I want Brentford like Tommy, but I just think Fulham have got a, a, had a little bit of a better run. They've been there before and I think they'll, they'll get it done. Mitrovic, leading scorer in that division. He's answered his critics because there was questions from Benitez as well when he was at Newcastle. Go back to the Championship, prove that you're a goal scorer and a regular goal scorer. And he's gone and done that. He's had a superb season sitting there on uh, 26 goals. So um, that just shows you, he, you know, he's gone and answered his critics and I think he'll play a massive part in helping Fulham. Okay, I look forward to seeing how that plays out and that would be, that'd be three pretty big clubs in a sense, Fulham, Leeds and um, West Brom being back in the Premier League with Villa staying. So chock-a-block in terms of the familiar faces in the Premier League next season. Hey, as we end off today, we're just, I'm just going to look at a few things Oh, it looks like we've lost Thomas, but I'll continue with you, Bridget. Yeah. Now. Uh, Thomas is back. Um, as we start to look towards the end of the season, it's pretty hard to comprehend, given we waited for so long for it to come back, and now it's almost done. But, Bridget, I'll go to you first. I just want to go through some uh, top threes between the two of you. Um, oh, here we go. <laughs> Since we've been back at, in lockdown... So explain your number one, because otherwise we'll go on forever, but explain your number one. But I want to know your top three players since the competition resumed. Since the competition has resumed. So yeah, we're talking after the lockdown, the impact that the players have had, yeah? Mm-hmm. Dave, I've got to mention one of your boys. I've gone for Pulisic because of the way that he has come back and just being so fresh and lively and being dynamic. I was wondering what, you know, we know he's a great player, but I was wondering what all the hype was about. Mm. He was playing a bit part. He's looked after himself superbly and, mate, what a player. The other one I've been impressed with is Antonio of West Ham. Yeah, yeah. He's goal-scoring machine since he's come back. He's played a major part in keeping West Ham in the division. And that four goals in one game, absolutely superb. And the man I've got to mention since COVID has gone under. We're not going to see him in the Premier League anymore. A man that I have absolutely adored watching is David Silva. So he's been brilliant since day dot and he's been brilliant mm. till the end of his playing career in the Premier League. So it doesn't matter whether it's after COVID, before COVID, I had to give him a mention. Nice. And you, Thomas? Uh, I've actually written down two of the same, Pulisic and Antonio, but uh, Bruno Fernandes uh, as well. Uh, got to mention him. You know, I think... Uh, since he's obviously come and, and after the break, he's he's been fantastic. Um, a lot of times, been a difference maker for for United. So, yeah, I think those three for me, and and I agree with Bridget. I think Silva deserves a, an, an honourable mention for you know just for his service and and uh, his professionalism and and with everything and players coming in and and he's just been above them uh, for so many years. And and again, this uh, you know last couple of months has, has been fantastic. Some amazing free kicks as well. So. Yeah, and no, he's, he's, he's done a, a great job there. Yeah, it'd be sad to see him go. I remember him as far back as Euro 2008, where he was such a key part of Spain's side, and here we are all these years later. And to be honest, he could probably go around again, really. So it's, it'll, be, it'll be sad to see him go. Um, and Antonio, we haven't talked much about West Ham in detail, but, I mean, David Moyes has kept them up. Big effort. Nothing exciting about it, but whatever they've achieved, Antonio has been key to the work rate he's had in it. So, um, yeah, interesting choice there and uh, probably very, very fair enough. Um, on the flip side, though, uh, the di- di- disappointment of the season. Three players who, who you expect much more of and, and need a bounce back next year, Bridget. 
I've, I'm going to start with Spurs, and I mentioned them during the podcast, and Dombele at Tottenham Hotspur came in, hasn't settled in, had a fallout with the manager, homesick, and like I say, we don't know what's going on in players' lives, in their personal lives, so I don't want to be too critical, but hasn't come in, hasn't embraced it, hasn't absorbed it, and again, very, very disappointing, because I was looking forward to seeing what he was capable of doing. That's me Spurs went out of the way, because I didn't want to look biased, and the other man is Pepe of Arsenal. $130 million plus, mm. 30 appearances and five goals hours. He was one of the picks um, at the start of the season when I was doing some Q&As around, around um, Sydney. And I said I was really looking forward to seeing him, even though he was an Arsenal player, and just being absolutely honking, I believe. Uh, it, you know, there's, there's a lot of work to be done and hopefully Arteta can mm. help him find the, you know, the goal-scoring ability or the thing that we all like to see. And the other one, Tommy, goalkeeper's union, De Gea of Man United, shambles. Uh, and will we see him at Man United next season? A big call by, by um, Solskjaer to be made in the off-season. Yeah, no, I'll uh, go the goalkeeping route for one of them as well, but I'll uh, go uh, with uh, David Wiener's Kepa. Uh, again, I think I've, I don't want to, uh, you know, go harder than him again. I think I've done his reason. Go on, <laughs> ride him, ride him. <laughs> Uh, I'm still a member of the goalkeeping union, so I'll, I'll, I'll stay off him. Uh, I agree with Ndombele, uh, I think, for the price tag. And, and you know, you don't know what's going on there behind the scenes. And, and he's falling out with, with Mourinho, but still uh, the amount of money. Uh, and then Joel Linton at, um, at Newcastle, I think, uh, you know, two goals for £40 million. Uh, even though Newcastle have done reasonably well, it, it's not what you would expect was he overvalued? Uh, possibly. Uh, I think he, he, it probably hurt him uh, that, that somebody paid that much of money for him uh, and put maybe unrealistic uh, pressure on him. Um, but I still think he's been a disappointment, uh, especially, I think, uh, Bridgie would say, as a Newcastle fan with uh, different expectations um, for, for what he could have done and, and, and he hasn't. God, some of those prices on some of those plays, you wonder in hindsight, you, know, you hope that the market kind of even itself out after this COVID period because some of those prices. No, we don't, stupid. Dave. No, we don't. I just wish me and Tommy could um, just turn back our clocks, like be like Benjamin Button and go and play again because Tommy <laughs> would be worth two hundred million if Kepa's worth that much, and if Joe Linton is worth forty million for two goals, I got what twenty goals. I made. do the math. So turn back the clock. I love, Tim, Tim Sherwood said yesterday on the coverage if Pepe's worth 70 million Jack Grealish is worth 170 million that's the kind of accurate punditry we need isn't it there you go I've just nailed it <laughs> what about who are you going to watch next year who are you keeping your eye out on Thomas uh, there've been, there have been some bright sparks this season yeah and no, I think Mason Greenwood um, uh, it's such an exciting player uh, you know again uh, you know, the way he's burst onto the scene, you know, Bridgie highlighted it, you know, his, you know, just his power and his movement and uh, his finishing, um, you know, he, he's got everything and can only get, get better. Um, Pulisic, I think, has, has burst onto the scene uh, and has been really, really good. And if he can continue the form, I'm, I'm really excited uh, with what he can do for uh, for Chelsea. And then uh, Kaios, uh Saka from, from mm. Arsenal, I think, has come on as well. Another young player who's, who's really exciting to, to, to watch. So I think there's plenty of talent when you look at the Premier League. I think there's plenty of excitement with, with the future. And, and we'll see. Uh, you know, we've got a team of Werner coming in, Havertz, potentially, uh, Sayek, uh, just at Chelsea. So 
uh, you know, there's plenty of young talent as well to look forward to next year. And, and uh, you know, I think football in, in general is in a good place with talent development. There's, there's a lot of exciting players. On the flip side, I've actually gone with somebody that got relegated this season with Norwich, and I think we will see him back in the Premier League, and that's uh, Max Ahrens, the fullback. He's been absolutely fantastic, and I just feel the season he's had, he, it wasn't his demeanour, it's a club. Uh, he's been one of the guys that has really excelled, and you know, teams have gone, wow, there's something here. He's dynamic, he can go forward, he's got the engine to get up and down. He's what every team now in the Premier League as a fullback is after, and he, he'll be back in the Premier League, don't know where. Uh, Mason Greenwood, again, we've already talked about him. I went with that one with you, Tommy, totally agree. But one man that needs a mention. We're losing one legend of the game in David Silva. And this player's had to just wait in the wings and learn mm. from this player day in, day out of training with him. And a lot of the fans at Manchester City have been asking, when are we going to see him? When are you going to let him loose? We've seen Phil Foden come on and do little bits and bobs. But I'll tell you what, so looking forward to seeing him play regular next season and fill in the void left by Silva. Because what a talent. City have got and England with this boy. Mm. Uh, absolutely. So much to look forward to. I'm actually really interested to see how his career trajectory goes compared to some of the guys that have gone off to the Bundesliga. It's a really fascinating contrast between a person that's bide their time and worked on the clock. Yeah. But then you've got like a Jude Bellingham who's gone over to Germany now for next season. And so we'll see how Sancho ends up graduating. One thing's for sure, Gareth Southgate, if and when the Euros does go ahead, has got an embarrassment of riches to play with. Hey, just to end off on one, it's been a fog of football. I've got to be honest, one day to the next, on a Sunday, a team is the worst thing in the world. On the Wednesday, they're, you know, they're ready for next season. The next Sunday, they're the worst team in the world again. There's so much going on. It's hard to sort of see the forest from the trees. Um, I just want to just take a second. What have you taken out of the post-lockdown football world? Has it lived up to expectations? Has it, has it been unrealistic to expect the players to keep going at the level we expect them to? Um, is football going to bounce back in terms of, um, you know, we've got the five subs still next year? What have you made of it? What have you made of it? We'll go with you first, Bridgie. May I have made a football that we need fans in stadiums to make the games what they are. Mm. It's simple as that. There's fans all around the world that are supporters of Premier League clubs. Um, you know, I think Asia is one of the biggest markets for the top four they can't get to witness the games and they, you know they they fly over to be in these stadiums the amount of money that is produced from travel and expenditure but the games haven't felt the same for me watching them some of them have been entertaining some of them have been horrendous but still when you get them fans that are in there mate there is no better atmosphere and the other thing i've realized is that i need football in my life to make it a better place i've got my family and with when when there was no football to watch or sport to watch i was a broken man I need football in my life to make it complete. So there you go. Uh, he, he, we, we all do. We all do. It's, it's been it made a massive difference. The, the fa- the, the, as the quality, we've spoken about the impact, like the pressure it took off Leeds, for example. But ultimately, to get up for a game, as, as, as former players talking, um, have we noticed, have you noticed that it's had an impact on the quality that we've seen day in, day out? Uh, I think it has to some extent. Um, you know, I, I know as a, as a formal player how much it means to to have the fans in, in the stadium. Uh, it gives you those 10%, 5% extra of just attention, the build-up, the, you know, the, 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 you know, the nervous energy, uh, those things that, that you need to perform 
you know, that, high, that, that, that heightens the senses, that, that just gets you to, to a level that's so hard to achieve without it. Uh, and I think we at times have seen, uh, seen that not been uh, present uh, with some teams in some situations uh, and just the, the feedback from, from the fans. And I, I totally agree with Bridgie. You know, the, the backbone of, of, of sport, especially soccer is, or football, is, is, uh, is the fans. They're, they're ultimately paying the wages, uh, making it exciting. Um, everything that goes on before the game, during the game, after the game, you know, the, a lot of it uh, contains the fans and, and their emotions and, and what they go through. And uh, yeah, so that, that's been a big miss for me and probably the, the biggest highlight, how much we need them. Uh, you know, how much I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm as a fan, uh, you know, can't go to, to games and, and can't travel and watch. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a sad thing. And I hope we get it back very, very soon. Absolutely. Let's hope. Let's hope by the time next season comes around, we've had some progress. But, but, but who knows? Who knows in this world, gents? That's all we've got time for today. Thanks so much for um, going through an absolutely ripping morning. And if that's anything to set the te- tempo or template for, goodness knows what's going to happen on Sunday night and the early hours of Monday morning. So, gents, thanks so much again, Bridgie, Thomas. All the very best. Thank you very much, Dave. Now, is, it's, I'm getting quite emotional. I do believe this is the last one for a while, yeah? Well, I th- we will have one more. We, we will have to wrap up the final day. It might not be yeah. this time, as late next yeah. week, but we'll be again. back I'm for one again. more. Lock it in. Like back the man, for one like more. man behind me, you are a god, Dave Wiener. We will do one more. You are the Bielsa mould. Bring it on. Look, Bridget, we can just keep going. We can just start tapping our phones if you like. We can just keep recording what is going on. But for the Premier League season, one more gagging pod to go. So keep your eye out on your feed for that. It'll be to wrap up the final day. We've spoken about all the games coming. Of course, as you know, it's 1 a.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time on Monday morning. Ten games simultaneously on Optus Sport. The app, wherever you watch it. The socials will be going absolutely bonkers. We will have every angle covered for you and wrap it up right here in audio form as you sleep your way into work or back home from work the next day. Gents, have a great weekend. Enjoy the action. And to everyone out there as ever, until the next Gag and Pod, enjoy the ball. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.